Tony, you and I could start a ball company tomorrow, right? You Let's call jingle. it the Foco Ball Company. <laughs> Foco Balls. Ted's Balls. I like Ted's because you have the jingle. You got the video already ready to go. <laughs> but you and I could order it. We could do this tomorrow. Put our logo on it and away we go. And like I said, it's starting to feel a little bit like the deodorant aisle to me where you go down and I'm like, do we really need 312 different scents or flavors or whatever of <laughs> deodorant you're doing it wrong <laughs> i disagree what is up everybody how you living no putts given we're back tony covey golf spy t chris nickel golf spy c a little bit of a hiatus there tony but well, we've, we been, are... we've been gone two out of the last four um yeah why don't, so... you, why don't you share with everybody what you've been up to i as i say this feels a little like uh my friday afternoon uh art history class in college where I think attendance was about 50%. <laughs> about every every other is pretty good. I had a little hospitalization issue. Um little thing called a pericardial effusion in the cardiac uh tamponade, which is basically a so bad, many words. Too many them sound words. great. They're not basically you get a lot of fluid inside the uh, pericardium, the the sac that holds your heart supposed to hold about 50 cc's uh fluid i had a little over 1.2 liters of fluid so which how, is I, that's a conversion i can't do but it sounds like a lot about 25 times like you, you think about 50 cc's is you know just like a little little shot glass full and and a liter you know imagine a two liter a pop take a little more than half of that and jam it all into that space and it's not good it's not good so but good news they were able to to drain it all through uh medical uh, current you know modern medical stuff is uh really really amazing very very thankful to be on this side of it and we are convalescing and back uh exactly where i want to be back in the golfus so here we are Woo-hoo. Yeah. Woo-hoo. so any you do anything exciting tony and the I, I hung stuff on the walls that's <laughs> uh that's how I spent the good bit of my weekend. I love it. So yeah. a couple topics for the good people today. The catch-22, Tony, of tour players, the equipment they use, and why Why the hell do we care so much? Should we care more? Should we care less? We're going to dive into that. We're going to talk about a little ball lab. I've uh, got a, a highly requested ball from Encore that you dug into, and then I might have a mailbag question or two for you, Tony, so... Does that work for you? Yeah. Let us let us get it. Let us get in. So, see what had happened was oh this. <laughs> this is uh, kind of where it all started last weekend. We don't, you know, we don't cover the tour a lot. We don't um, dive into that a whole bunch. But I've been basically sitting around doing nothing but uh, watching TV and trying to keep my mind occupied. But a couple interesting things, right, Rory? Kind of, sort of, threw TaylorMade under the bus a little bit. Kind of saying, I'm going to give him a pass, but we'll, we'll get to that. Had been using Stealth 2 since uh, since Genesis, I believe, since uh, Tiger outdrove him in round one. And he's kind of like, hey, enough of that nonsense. He intimated that he would prefer to be playing last year's version, Stealth 1. Um, Colin Morikawa went a step further and kind of, moved away from stealth two and went back several generations now to 
that old, old technology of titanium and using uh, the SIM driver. And it got us kind of thinking. What's the deal, Tony? Why why are tour players doing this? Why should we care? Let's kind of there's a couple of different ways to frame this conversation, but what are your what's your first response, I guess? What's yeah, boy, what a roller coaster for Taylor made, right? It's like Rory kind of dreaming of stealth one, Morikawa back to an original sim, and then Scheffler says the hell with all of it <laughs> and wins with a stealth two anyway. So Right. Uh, yeah, quite the ride. Yeah, I boy, I think largely, I want to say much ado about nothing. Uh, I think it probably speaks a little bit to the the psychology of a tour pro, the mindset, and and maybe how they're not too much different than we are in some respects. We being average weekend hacks. <laughs> so so that's a piece of it, and I think yeah, probably something to be said about release cycles and maybe. You know, between the lines, if if tour pros, Rory being one of them, wish that maybe they weren't quite as accelerated as they are. Yeah, and I want to follow up with another question, too. But the first thing, and here's why I'm giving Rory a pass on this one, I think, and, and Colin, too, for that matter, is these are, you know, players are constantly searching for performance, right? And trying to figure out, hey, what works? Why does it work? How does it work? And as we've seen throughout our testing, right, there isn't a single best club that's best for everybody, even if that company happens to pay you money to play said club, right? It doesn't automatically mean that it's the optimal club for you. Now, you can't just do the whole baby and bathwater thing and say, geez, if that's if that's the case, I saw somebody comment, well, how did Stealth 2 win, you know, most wanted driver this year if it's it's not even good enough for Rory to play it? Well, apples and oranges, right? I mean, those are entirely different scenarios. And, you know, obviously Rory is searching for some things in his game right now. Colin probably say the same thing about him. And so you have players that are looking and evaluating. It's still early, relatively speaking, in the year, right? And trying to optimize and figure out what's going on. And so I give him a pass on on that part of it. But what I guess go back to the last thing you kind of said, what does this kind of tell us about the product cycle nature of the industry? And do you think pros would prefer if they said, Hey, everything's going to be on an, on a minimum of a two year cycle. I uh, I think for the most part, you'd see the tour guys much happier and it, it's not everyone. Titleist is on a two year cycle. Ping runs typically 18 months, sometimes, uh, sometimes a bit longer and then you have to throw in what happens over in Asia and Australia and what those cycles are relative to ours. It's a little right. bit chaotic there, but yeah, I think, I mean, look, there have been grumblings, sort of these, these things you hear in the background, some rumors that, that Rory in particular does not like the frequent and frequent being annual equipment right. changes. I think he's a guy that would be much happier if, if he knew that he was going to be able to play the same same model for two years. And yeah, we can talk about the, the CT creep issue and, and how that plays into all of that. But I, I think by and large, a lot of tour players would probably be happier with longer cycles, not having to change a driver every year. If you're a, a tailor-made guy or a Callaway guy. And I know, look, I know some of these will get pushed back from the brand and say, look, our contracts are written so that they can, they don't have to change. But I, I think we know that brands want these guys in the new stuff. It's, 
it, it's beneficial to have them in the new stuff. I think arguably when we, we talk about Rory wanting to play an original stealth, Colin going all the way back to a sim, it hurts brands when a tour guide does not play the latest thing because, again, then you get the kind of stuff we're seeing online right now where it's like, oh, it must not be as good because Rory doesn't want to play it because yeah, it's not as good for one guy or two guys when – Look, the reality of this, I've said this countless times, there's nothing or nothing I've seen. I'll leave the door open, but nothing I've seen from a generational improvement standpoint where you can say, yes, this driver, for example, is 100% better for everybody or, or quantifiably better for 100% of golfers. That that piece of equipment doesn't exist. It's, you know, some people it's going to be better, others worse. A lot of guys fundamentally the same because... We talk about it a lot of times. It's just let's let's hey, we're going to try a different center of gravity position this year because we think this is going to work better. And right. for some guys it does, for some it doesn't. So there's <clears throat> there's a comfort level, and, and a lot of times. And I think you know this is speculation, but I think a lot of you know when Rory talks about getting it right with the stealth too, and how difficult that's been, it, it's probably a lot of playing with weights and hot melt and things like that to to get the stealth too to to play just like his stealth did. Mm-hmm. So. Well, well and even that's Rory, the game. Yeah, and that's Rory admits in there very clearly to, hey, there's a lot of user error involved here. And this, again, why I give him some of a pass, and it's not at all similar to other situations where we've seen players throw OEMs, you know, just directly under the bus and maybe even back up over them a couple times, like, hey, you can't make me what I need. That's not the case at all. But... Yeah, I don't think it was anybody <laughs> going, driver sucks. <laughs> right. I, not, not, yeah, not even uh, close to that situation. Now bring me a protein shake. <laughs> Two of them. But the the reality is, yeah, golf manufacturers want players in the product that they can actually sell, right? That <laughs> makes sense. And not for nothing, right? If this wasn't Rory, we wouldn't even be talking about it. Right. If it were somebody who was, you know, 250th in the world or somebody um, probably wouldn't get that same level of attention. But Rory is such a flagship player for not just TaylorMade, but kind of for the PGA Tour right now as well, given all of those things that are going on. So, you know, he's in the spotlight a little bit more. So, what does that mean for, you know, for a TaylorMade or any other company for that matter when? your flagship player, the one that you're probably paying the most or, or close to it says, you know, basically I don't think that the current product is the one that I would choose to be playing. I'd rather go back to one that you guys can't really sell so much or that commercial that you see every 28 seconds that I just said, Hey, this one is the best. Yeah. I didn't really mean that. Well, that's that's the double-edged sword of, of tour player endorsements, right? Like you you can win with them big time when, again, Scotty Scheffler won with a Stealth 2 driver in the bag. Obviously worked good enough for him. Yeah, just fine, I think, and right? So Rory, Rory's not <laughs> dialed in today, and that's that's part of it, right? You're, things change, players evolve even from week to week. And so it's, you know, it, it certainly, it's, it's never a good look when a guy like Rory kind of mentions that, that maybe he'd be happier in a prior gen or when somebody like Marikawa goes all the way back to a sim. And it kind of reminds me, so several years ago, uh, and this actually, as it turns out, coincidentally was a tailor-made staffer. I think this was like Rocket Balls era. 
Okay. Um, so a tailor-made, I couldn't even tell you which guy it was, but it, I don't even think it was one of the big names, but a tailor-made staffer won a tournament. And as it see it less now, but back then, like if a guy won, like by, if, if, if the, if the final putt dropped it at six o'clock on a Sunday evening by six Oh three, there'd be an email detailing the win and all the equipment that was used. And right, right. I happened to look at it and I noticed the fairway wood, wood was missing. I mean, he was playing a tailor-made fairway wood, but it was an old model. And I was like, hey, man, how come you didn't mention the, the fairway wood? He's like, yeah, we're really not in the business of advertising five-year-old fairway woods. And so it's a similar thing. Like, it, it's you, – you don't you don't win at retail when the guys are playing the old stuff. Because right. it, it does give – and, you know, sometimes it's, again, because people don't want to think too deeply about these things. But it gives the impression that, oh, well, if, if he won with the older one, it must mean that the new one isn't as good. Couldn't possibly be that, well, the older one just happens to fit that one guy better or that one guy is, for whatever reason, just really comfortable with it and doesn't want to switch out of it. Any number of reasons beyond – you know, driver sucks. <laughs> is this how much of this issue is driver specific? And I guess what I mean by that is like I'm looking at Scheffler's stats from from obviously this last weekend, and he uh, kind of lapped the field. You know, certainly on the weekend, but overall he gained what 4.32 strokes uh, over the entire event. He was positive in every area, barely positive in strokes game putting. He was like plus 0.2, so basically field average. But off the tee, around the greens, total tee to green gained more than four strokes over the course of the tournament um, against the field and obviously had the uh, the best strokes gain metrics, you know, for the entire week. So, but I don't hear people going, oh, my gosh, look, um, you know, he plays muscle back irons or he had two, you know, Scheffler again, he had two Titleist uh, SM8 wedges. Those are a generation old. Nobody cares. Nobody cares that he had two Titleist SM8 wedges uh, in the bag or a an iron design that is fundamentally unchanged, right, over the last decade plus. They don't care. But the driver. It's the visible one. It's it's the most visible club in the bag. It's the one that, I mean, we've talked about companies actually creating paint schemes and right. aesthetics that, that pop more on TV. It's part of the reason why the tailor-made face is more red this year, a deeper red than it was last year. It's mm -hmm. that much more visible. So I think there's an acknowledgement industry-wide. The golf companies know it. I think I think golfers, for whatever reason, pay more attention to it. And I think the fact that we... We get such detailed stats, especially on the drive. They're readily available. Right? You get the shot tracer, everything. It's not that we don't see other shots, but again, it's that the driver is the one that, that seems relatable. Everybody understands distance and what it means and the launch parameters, all that stuff. It's just so completely in your face nonstop. So I think, think it is the most important club from a visibility standpoint. And I think when you consider the trickle-down effects of if you buy a driver, do you do you, buy a let's say a stealth two mm -hmm. right do you if you buy a stealth two driver do you buy that awesome stealth two plus fairway wood that i think so highly of do you consider a mm -hmm. a, a stealth hybrid if you're a hybrid guy or maybe it's a, a a tailor-made utility iron and it's all that i think so much trickles down from the driver that and again it's you know 
in every respect. Golf companies want it to be the most visible. It is the most visible on TV, and I think it drives so much of everything else. And yeah. wedges, yeah, I think you're right. Like nobody notices for the most part. Nobody cares. But too when you look for, at it, too bad yeah. for Titleist, I guess, in this, <laughs> in this particular case. But you look at yeah. it from a strokes gain perspective for what he did this week. Super, super important, right? And so it's just inter- yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, the, there's the driver, and then all the permutations of driver leads, and, and probably leads to these other sales and things. And like I said, even more of a reason that companies want to have their best players playing and preferably playing well, right? With the products that they can actually sell. Like I said, we're not in the business of, uh, of selling five-year-old fairway woods, you know, well, he won, he won with a Titleist golf ball. And yeah. so I've seen, I've seen yeah. that comment too. Well, it just shows you how much better the Titleist is than the Taylor. I mean, look, you know, I'm, I'm as deep into the weeds on, on golf balls as anyone. I will tell you, they're just very different golf balls. So with that, accepting that they are very different in how they perform, my guess is he chose the one that performed best for him from from what was available to him. It's, it's simple. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 just one of those things. It, it makes me wonder if the you know again this world of equipment deals and how companies structure some of these things is you know going to continue to evolve. Um, you know, based on some of that stuff, but it it really does underscore just the importance of. I think we, we are still in a driver led industry in that, in that regard, especially the big dogs. Um, yeah. Any final thoughts on that? Tony? That's, that's deep stuff, man. Yeah. I just, I, as a, as a connoisseur of golf or somebody who, who looks to the tour for guidance, this is a clear case of, I, I really wouldn't want to read too much into this because I don't think there's any, any particular insight to be gleaned. No, I think in general, people probably, try to read into those things far too much. There's, you know, you got to play what's best for you. You are not a tour player. Um, at most it's entertaining. Um, you know, at, at worst, uh, you use it as a guide to try to make decisions for yourself, but you know, really it's, it's a fair amount of inter- entertainment and there's every once in a while, maybe there's something interesting you can, you can take from, from a player's bag, but, um, yeah, just food for thought, Tony which I'm always a fan of food. So ball lab, ball what, do lab. what do we got in the hopper this week? Tony, talk to so, me. Yeah. As uh, this will, this podcast will publish on Wednesday and as will our test of the 2022 encore mm-hmm. elixir, which is one that we get asked quite about, uh, quite a bit about it's a encore. I'd say a fairly popular DTC brand. I don't know that it's, it's the leader. I think maybe Snell when they have inventory or Vice would, would probably be the, be the top dog. Uh, but, you know, Encore has a following. Mm-hmm. Always interesting. And this this one proved particularly, particularly, there we go, interesting. <laughs> for I mean, and I was curious about this for the big reason for me is this is so weird because they still sell the 2020, I think, 19, 2019, the 20, I don't know. It's whatever it was look. previous version. Yeah. Of the, the elixir still available three piece ball foremost made cast your thing cover. Here comes the new elixir still three piece injection molded. And we have every reason to believe it's made by launch tech also in Taiwan. 
but fundamentally different technologies in the cover, different dimple patterns. So you go from the 318, the stock, the legendary foremost to the, <laughs> to the 350. That's, that's your tell. If you want to kind of comb the list, the USGA list and, and find balls that may be similar dimple patterns are a good place to start and then go from there. Once you have a dimple pattern in a country of origin, you usually have the factory. Yep. Uh, so curious to look at it anyway. So and, before you go into that launch tech, so reasonable, you know, reasonable to think they're made at launch tech in terms of DTC facilities. So offshore third-party manufacturers. So it's like, you know, Titleist makes their own balls, Callaway, et cetera. Not that stuff. If you and I start a ball company and we need to source our product from overseas, where would you rank launch tech just in general? Where would you kind of put them? Yeah, first I would I would go to foremost first, and this yep. is this is based on what we see in Ball Lab, and we we're starting to get. I mean, we have a ton of data now on on balls and, and starting to understand quality at the factory level. I think Launch Technologies has become the number two in that space with Nassau Korea uh, or now TaylorMade Korea effectively yeah. being out of the DTC game. So I, I think they're number two. I don't think they're necessarily a really close number two, but but number two. Okay. Uh, they do, and you know, they do a good bit of OEM business. More of it in the the ionomer space, uh, mm-hmm. and, but they have kind of become the the go to of late for DTC brands, especially again as I mentioned, Nassau being sold to TaylorMade, becoming Nassau or TaylorMade Korea. You have Foremost that is, I would say, is is about at capacity as I understand it. Again, they do a fair amount for TaylorMade, so they. Some of the TP5 stuff comes from there as is. They, they make the MaxFly, they make the, the Wilson stuff. Uh, some of the Vice stuff, as I mentioned, the, the previous Elixir, the Vero X1 and X2. So a lot of, lot of quality balls coming out of Encore. And so I think as, as capacity has been an issue there, Launch Tech has kind of become the, the go-to for overflow the next bit, on the right? list. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, just the reality of it. So, okay, so... Maybe not the prime choice, but kind of the next next layer down, and we're seeing that for a variety of reasons. Um, how'd it go? What'd you see? Uh, so yeah, <laughs> this, again, what, this what, everything what about this is, is kind of amazing. So <laughs> um, I would say so the the final score, quality score seventy eight, so five points above the database average. Call okay. it a C plus. Trending towards a B minus, and I know C plus sounds bad, but look, like C is average on our scale, right? Low seventies. That's that's where things shake out on our distribution curves. That is, that's just how it is. So, you know, C plus, I would consider that good. Typically, if I see a C plus, that's like I would have no quality reservations about it. Yeah, can mm-hmm. I find a higher quality ball? Absolutely. Is it is it anywhere near the worst? No, no, it's not a bad ball by any means. So it actually, and we saw. Uh, for one metric, I want to say for weight, it was actually above average, so into the good range for there. Average for compression, average for diameter. Uh, three bad balls for uh, what we call concentricity defects, just really, really thin spots in the mantle, which which does happen. A mm-hmm. uh, couple more were close, but we let them through kind of right on the edge, and we always give the ball the benefit of the doubt. So I would describe it as a soft 78. But a <laughs> but a seventy eight nonetheless. Okay. Uh, so overall, pretty decent results. 
Is it but, is it a ball that if your buddy was playing it, would you try to talk them out of it? Say, hey, I I think there's something better out there for you. Like, where is that line for you where you're like, you see somebody playing a ball and you're like, man, for what well, you're spending, yeah, there's I mean, a better is, option there. You know, there is a value play here, and I think at that price point, is it it is acceptable quality. I have no qualms about it. It's not the kind of thing where. Yeah, and the compression measures at 84 too, so it's it's kind of right on okay. that leading edge of of the tour range. It's a little softer than than most of what gets played on tour. Like it's you know Strixon, the I, I we haven't checked the the newest model yet, but the the prior Gen Z Star was kind of in that low 80 space. 84 is kind of around where the tour BXS hovers. Yep. So soft by tour standards, but not like oh my god, you're. You know, you're killing you're yourself with up. this compression. Yeah, yeah. It's not, yeah, it's not that level. So, yeah, it's it's not one where I would roll my eyes and shake my head, and, you know, or anything like that by any stretch. But, but let's let's refresh. Let's refresh. Encore. Encore. Elixir. So Elixir. Elixir, right there. Mm-hmm. And then, I think I know what you're going to show me, Tony. Elixir says Elixir. Symbol, right? There's your yep. Encore logo. Yep. That's... I just heard Alexa say she wasn't sure. Which yep. kinda Alexa's, sums up if Alexa, kinda... if Alexa doesn't not, know what the hell's going on, what, what sure. chance do we have? Hmm, so what I'm okay. not sure. I'm not colorblind. I'm I'm seeing two different color cores there, Tony. And, and we didn't do this on purpose, but this is almost yeah. like a little bit like my shirt and a little bit like yours. Oh, yeah. That's so a good how point. A little bit. All right, so at, at, at first blush, like you look at it, and you go, "Oh my gosh, it's two different color cores." Uh, you know, sky's yeah, so, falling. What's so going we got up? 30, 30, So we we sample three dozen, thirty four of those, two of these. So two yellow snuck into the otherwise thirty four uh, kind of reddish pink ones. What happened? What does that mean? Yeah, it's a million dollar question. So. See what had happened was. Yeah, <laughs> I mean this again. It's you know it's it's, it's a mystery. It's a curiosity. Um, so I didn't flag them as bad initially. I was like, let's see where these fall. And it turns out that laid out on the charts, if I and these will be, you'll see in our actual review, the ball lab test. You we publish a chart that shows you ball by ball the metrics, and mm-hmm. you would not be able to pick these out of that particular lineup. Okay. So on one hand, hey, irrelevant. Nothing, maybe. Yeah, nothing to worry about. And depending, like it's not unusual. There's always some variation in color. Not always, but like Titleist, Titleist does a whole lot of gradient matching and, and jumps through hoops just so that the balls are really consistent in color. Right. Not everybody is, is that concerned about color because it's it's really the composition, right? Is chemically sure. are these the same? Right. Um and pigmentation is a little bit less of an issue there, but to see this type of variation, right? Like I would expect lighter red, darker red, that kind of yeah. thing. Um, this is obviously no shade of red. So and what's what in your in your opinion? What what would cause something like it, if you're the manufacturer so, or if you're that like? I see how they're two different, but as a consumer, does it make any difference to me, or should I be at all concerned about that? Yeah, I well, again, so they they came out similarly. Right. I, I couldn't tell you, I can't point to any metric and go, see, there's, there's the difference. Did, did maybe somehow launch tech just forget to put the pigment into one batch? Although it's interesting. Like I said, two of these in 36 balls, 
So one in, and they were in different dozens and those dozens were purchased several months apart. Right. Uh, so right. <laughs> it's not, it, it's unlikely that this was the result of a single bad batch. This seems to be kind of like every now and then one of these trickles in. Right. And so is it, Hey, we, we didn't quite, we forgot to color the mix. I don't have any good answers, but I mean, this is the kind of thing where if I, if I'm, if I'm encore, it's worth kind of a, what, you know, a WTF phone call to the factory and go, guys, it's not cool. It's not right. supposed to happen. Yeah. So, yeah I get, like I said, yeah. on, on one hand, it, it looks really bad on the gauges. It's no big deal, except that, you know, if these, if these are different, right. They're not the same. really similar <laughs> then, Hey, you know, what's going on? Are we just, are we just repigmenting balls for our DTC customers? Cause that's another thing that's worth that's... pointing out. And we've heard about this from, from the guys overseas and I have a ball contact works out of Asian knows what's going on at the factories. And he's told me like as factories have become more and more aware of my golf spy. And it's not just us, right? Seeing lots of people cut open golf balls now. Yeah. They have once upon a time, everything. And remember back to when Titleist sued the DTC brands several oh, yeah. years ago. And yeah. you cut those like six, what was it? Like 14 different companies. I forget what it was, but there was a, a laundry list. Yeah. And every one of those balls, when you cut them open, all look the same on the inside. Mm -hmm. Well, as the factories have become aware of the cutting that is going on out in the world, they've started to basically change pigments based on the logo. Composition, same. Logo, pigment, different. So again, so that it, it sort of makes it look like there's more variety in the DTC space than there, there actually is now. Encore has always said that their ball is proprietary. Their, their big talking point is the you know, kind of the perimeter weighted higher MOI design. Um, so it'll be interesting. I don't, honestly, we, I don't think we were going to test the sugar in our ball test. The, it was just, you know, the gauge measurements were so bad. Right. That we're like, I, I don't know. Right. But now I think, I think we have to take a look and, you know, the last kind of thing that I would mention is, and you've been in on these conversations that we've talked to more than one small brand that says, oh yeah, you know, sometimes quality can be a problem, but we pay for a higher standard of quality control. So that doesn't happen <laughs> right. to us. And so I don't know, I don't know if that's a story that Encore specifically tells. I haven't talked to them about that particular piece of things, but like I said, if, if I find this in a box of these, regardless of, of whether or not they measure out the same, and again, you know, whether they're supposed to be the same or not is a whole other right. question. Right. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm making a phone call. Which gets me to the, uh, call we're seeing this more kind of this year and in the last year and a half too, I think the DTC world of golf balls, again, we're talking direct to consumer balls that are largely manufactured overseas where Tony, you and I could start a ball company tomorrow. Right. Yes. In fact, in fact, I believe you have Let's a call jingle. it the Foco ball company. <laughs> Foco balls. Yeah. Uh, I, or Ted's. I, but you have, it's you, just yeah. Ted's balls. I like Ted's because you have the jingle. You got the video already ready to go. <laughs> but you and I could order. We could do this tomorrow. And so could anybody else if they could, right, make an order off the menu. Say, hey, I want a three-piece ball. Yep. Yeah, the 350 uh, dimple pattern's good. Da-da-da-da-da. Um, put our logo on it, and away we go. And like I said, it's starting to feel a little bit like the deodorant aisle to me where you go down and I'm like, do we really need 312 different scents 
or flavors or whatever <laughs> of deodorant. Like it, if you're it, tasting what, it, you're doing it wrong. Man. <laughs> I I disagree, but I. <laughs> It's like, at what point in time are we, have we oversaturated where it's like, do we really need 13 different versions of the same ball with just a different logo on it? And a or, different story slightly. And, and even even that, like the stories are becoming similar, right? We're, right. we're just a, two guys or a group of friends that wanted to make a better ball at an affordable price. And it's, you know, you can find some version of that in seven legitimately seven eight different places mm-hmm. and you get uh, some of them actually bother to submit the ball to the usga and it, <laughs> right. get it on the list and then others use the phrase conforms to usga rules like yeah you know, we it's we know that it's conforming <laughs> and this is one of the things i love i actually appreciated this like we've had this conversation or, or barbara has with the penfold guys like right. they make no secret about it. Like, yeah, no, it's they don't care. It's just a straight off the menu. We put the Penfold logo on it because you know people we think still you have, might like it. <laughs> that resonates with people. We didn't submit it to the USGA. It's not on the list, but you know what? Other people have put this same ball on the list, and I, I love it because it's like the yeah, it's, it's the most authentic. I feel like just about that any DCC brand has ever been with us. They're like, yeah. I, it's, yeah, we're in it for the lifestyle angle, and that's that. And that's, I feel yeah. like it's another. It bodes another either kind of T-shirt or a, or poster idea, Tony, where you could go through and just, you know, these balls are all sufficiently similar, right? Like if you had a family tree, kind of okay. Here's the Nassau tree and the Foremost tree and the Launch Tech tree, and okay, if you're playing one of these seventeen balls, they're all uniformly similar. Or hey, the the you know the Maxfly is basically the top level version of this particular lineage or chain, right? Where it's like people can say, hey, if you're playing a sugar ball or you're playing this, these seven, eight, nine balls are all fundamentally the same damn golf ball, just with maybe a slightly different story. I mean, isn't that or, kind I of mean, where we're at? And tweak the it's it's and you gotta like understand everything kind of trickles almost whether it trickles from the inside out or the outside in so we've got a 350 dimple cover right Right. that tooling is set they're not they're going to retool to make this cover for a different ball because molds for covers are super duper expensive right so all right so that that's a certain thickness and now like if you've got a target thickness to hit that mandates you know where the next two layers are going to be and hey maybe maybe we've only got one set of tooling for our for our mantle layer, and the next thing you know, right, you've, you've already defined the measurements, the the diameter of every layer in the golf ball. And because there's again, only so like, much you can do that, if you then can, you're kind of that's how you keep costs down is you don't have exorbitant tooling costs. That's one way to do it. And so, right. yeah, that you do end up with a lot of similarities in that respect. And yeah, you can maybe tweak the core composition a little bit, maybe add a little something to the mantle, whatever it happens to be, but. You, you are in the DT space to a degree restricted in what you're going to do because as soon as you say, oh, no, I want to do something completely different, well, somebody's got to pay for that tooling. And at right. that point, now you're, you're getting into a space where uh, DTC price points maybe aren't achievable if you, you do that. That's kind of what separates the, the whole white label DTC business from... Yeah. Mainline, oh, yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah, we're going to design every aspect of this ball in-house and yep. produce it in-house and you know with that every yeah. bit of the cost that comes with that yeah i i just yeah it's it's an interesting space and i feel like we've seen more of an influx after covid with 
you know, more and more ball brands popping up this one and that one and this one. And, and it's like, man, do we really need 34 DTT brands? Can't we really, does the market only need like maybe four well, or five? I, I mean, you honestly, know, but I, know, I think if you get into it, there are four or five, maybe established players that, you know, we've tested and found good quality with. So mm-hmm. Snell encore, you said, I, no issue yeah. with the Encore ball for the most part. Really liked what I've seen both in performance yep. testing and on the gauges. We know Vice sells well. Yep. And so those, I mean, I got to think. Fly probably have to Max Fly, probably. Max Fly, yeah. And again, that's when people argue whether or not that's yeah. DTC, right? And you're kind of getting into that space with people whatever, we don't know but, yeah. too much about that other than, you know, what we were able to, to dissect. But we haven't measured any yet, haven't robot tested them yet. But I could see that very quickly kind of stepping in and, and filling filling into that space and being you know, one mm-hmm. of the top five brands in that category. And then, you know, at some point, like, what are you really fighting for? Like, what's it, what's it, what are the scraps worth? I right. Yeah. I mean, I think consumer that's... decides, I don't, I don't get yeah, to no. say, I don't consumer get to, decides, I, don't, but... I don't get to boot anybody off the island. <laughs> but if we had worse. like tier one, two, three, four, you can almost see a situation where after we have enough information, we say, Hey, this is that top tier of DCT, you know, DTC balls. Maybe it is, Vice, Snell, Encore, you know, ten, you know, uh, Maxfly, whatever, and then maybe here's the second tier, and then here's the don't bother tier because it's just a repeat of. of well, this, yeah. One, you know? Once you get into that semantic difference between you know USG con- USGA conforming and conforms to USGA <laughs> rules, then then you kind of know. Like if it, if a brand cannot be bothered to submit the ball to the USGA, I mean that that tells me quite a bit. And again, that's. Part of the oh, we keep we keep costs down by right. uh, not designing anything, <laughs> not submitting to the USGA, whatever it happens to be. But yeah, like, man, I don't know. Yeah, it's not cool. It's not cool. Last quick segment, Tony. What time is it? Mailbag. Mailbag. So, I perused the interwebs. Oh God, nothing good for it comes. Checked out the chat GPTs. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Threw in some <laughs> prompts. You know, got some. Uh, Great things. Oh. I consulted consulted my notes um, and uh, pulled together a couple of different questions. But basically being, I know we're not maxed out on driver performance and those things. But the yeah, game. Well, we are, might be as of uh, Well, tomorrow. yeah, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. By the time this posts, the USGA <laughs> will have made a major announcement, which we think is going to involve some sort of rollback. So we may have an episode. Stay tuned. This. Yeah. Stay yeah. tuned. Yeah. Uh, What's the opposite? Or pre-tuned. Like past shadow. Past shadowing. I don't know. But where is the number one place you're going to look for a performance boost or a consumer should if it's not hard goods? So I'm talking not wedges, grips, this, that stuff. We're hearing other companies talk about, you know, hey, I mean, can you imagine the benefit of having like you know, a pair of boxers that is sufficiently cooling and just wonderfully comfortable. And that makes, you know, they say, Hey, you're, you're 1.3% more efficient on your back nine because you know, whatever it is, like, where's the first place you think golfers should actually look for a performance benefit that isn't I, equipment. I, I want to say Boa so badly, but <laughs> cause laces are for suckers. Yeah, um, but no, I think, kind of hinted at it but so much of it is i think going to be weight savings and we we've seen ping talk about you know what what can they do to 
loosely, let's call it back nine performance, right? Where the, the point in the round where you start to get fatigued, mm-hmm. what can we do to kind of push that point deeper and deeper and deeper into the round? And they're doing a lot of stuff like, hey, if you know, if I can shave some weight out of a club and you're over the course of 18 holes, you're, you're fundamentally swinging less weight, that's going to have cause less fatigue. You'll be but what fresher. if I take all the clubs out? You can't. Well, yeah. So, but that's what I was getting at. So they okay. talk about weight. And so whether yeah. that's like, I don't know. I think, I think golfers have talked about lighter shoes. Some people have mentioned how heavy their shoes feel. So if you can take weight out of shoes, which we've seen you can do so that maybe that's it. Um, weight out of your shorts, weight out of your shirt. I don't, I don't know. Like lighter weight hats. I don't know where it ends, but um yeah, I think I think weight is I think weight is where you're gonna look, and it's all right. Let's let's get rain gear that's super super water repellent, water resistant, but also is really flexible and doesn't weigh anything. And yeah, I know there's a more than a few people watching this who are like rain. I'm just I'm not gonna play in that. I'm not I'm playing not in the rain, rain so it doesn't help me. Yeah. I... Um, so yeah. I think uh, you know, electric push carts, right? Let's let's reduce the fatigue that comes from pushing. So mm-hmm. I think it's it's seemingly silly little things like that, um, but you know if the rule is it it can't be the club, I think that's probably what you have to look at. Well, you got something better? I I don't know that I I do. I'd love to hear comments on this one, like because you do hear like, hey, what percentage of golfers use the wrong size glove, like are wearing an ill fitting glove? You say, geez, if you wore the right size glove, you know, would you have less grip? tension would you be able to grip the club appropriately which you know uh may lead to better swing mechanics i don't know um you know a pair of shoes uh we hear this from like squares right we hear other can we talk about um clear performance benefits i actually so boa i know you you love to hop on the boa train but they have a whole performance fit lab where they study this stuff can you make movements more efficient over time based on how your shoes are laced. I actually think it's the shoes. I think that that ground connection, force, stability, weight, getting that piece dialed in, I think it's shoes. I think that's where uh, if, if, if you're 100% dialed in in every other part of your bag, every other part of your game, the next place you should look to optimize would be, be footwear. Well, and we that's do see, and it's interesting because Fundamentally, some new materials and things like that, but shoes haven't changed that much, right? The spikes are variations on soft spikes, but minimally different from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. So with the exception of squares, that's our angle, right? We have fundamentally changed the shape <coughs> of the shoe. And right. all right, that one sounds a little weird to me. I'm, I'm on a level with you. I'm not all in on, on square-toed shoes, especially because I've yet to see one with Boa. But at least it's like, all right, this this is weird. And other than Nick Faldo, I'm I'm not sure anybody is completely buying Sep, into this. Sep Straka, Sep okay. Straka. All right, well, it's got Nick and Sep, I, yeah. I guess. But like I said that one's a weird one. But at least it's it's fundamentally different on some level than every other golf shoe out there. So yeah, maybe maybe it's the shoes. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe yeah. and maybe you people out there have better answers than we do. I bet you do. Like, what's the I next? So. I hope so. Where? Oh, I, got I mean, you might be able to find another two miles an hour, mile an hour, half a mile an hour of swing speed with better underwear, better underwear, a correct, you know, a, a uh, uh, you know, a different type of technology in your golf shirt, Tony, or maybe 
your hat or maybe, you know, an umbrella with a rain gutter. There you something. go. There maybe you that's go. what it is. I don't know. I don't know. But yes, you may you may hear from us again uh, sooner rather than later. We're expecting some golf ball announcement kind of thing. So by the time this comes out, you may have already heard from us. We shall see. But as always, post your comments below. Let us know what's going on. Golf Spy T, Golf Spy C, find us. Follow us on the interwebs. And until then, we out.